Storygram Network. It's that time of year, folks. Time to turn that trash into treasure. Coming up here April, we are celebrating Trash and Fashion Sonoma Creative Sustainability Events, benefiting Sonoma Community Center's educational programmings. Starting off, we're going to lead up with April 13th, Trash and Fashion Barbie Gallery and Reception Silent Auction, opening the 13th, taking place until April 29th. Then we have the big show. Trash and Fashion Show is on Earth Day this year. 13th annual running events, a 2 o'clock and a 5 o'clock show. You can buy your tickets now, folks. And then on the 29th, if that's not all, we have Dogs on the Catwalk. Dress up your dogs and lead them down on our back patio at the Sonoma Community Center. There will be prizes and we will have the free community event Trash Bash in which we will announce the winners, raffle winners, as well as get your Barbie auctions on. Join us for any of those events. We'll see you at Trash and Fashion 2023 in April. Hey, Gerardo. How are you? Pretty good. Hey, you know about the subscription? How does it work? That's a good question. So subscription to the Sonoma Community Center podcast means really no commitment on your side. What came up, I was thinking about this a long time ago, is people typically tend to think that a subscription means that you have to pay for something or we're capturing an email or information like that. But that's simply not the case. So you mean I can just click it and just watch your videos and I don't have to pay any money? You don't have to pay any money. Subscribing merely means that when the next time we have an episode, it will pop up wherever you're listening to episodes, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. And what that means is it really just supports us and lets us know that we have listeners out there besides just downloading the podcast. So it's just not subscribing. It's also liking it, right? Liking it, but really that subscribe button means that we know that there's listeners out there. Perfect. I don't know if you've had this, but I have people that come up to me and say, hey, I listen to it. I do. I do. But translating that into the subscribe button means that you're supporting the Community Center podcast, the artists, and everybody that comes through here and shares their story that we are always excited to share about. Well, you guys are listening. Subscribe, please. Yep. Make our life easier (laughs) and we want to become popular. (laughs) Famous. All right. (laughs) Subscribe away. Hello, we are the Sonoma Community Center podcast, a place of creativity, connection, and community. We highlight the artists, teachers, and the community that come through the doors of our historic brick building, often called the heart of Sonoma. We share local tips and shout outs to our home, Sonoma Valley. And we are your host, Molly Spencer. Gerardo Diaz. We are the engagement team of the Sonoma Community Center. Good morning. It's the Sonoma Community Center podcast. This is Molly Spencer. And Gerardo Diaz. And we are coming to you on a Monday morning. So if we sound a little 
not our Friday afternoon <laughs> recording selves. That's why. <laughs> we always need like an extra day after the weekend. Yes. Like Monday would be nice to be off too. Exactly. Maybe have like the whole uh, European style. You work uh, three days and you're off four, maybe. That's what they're pushing for. And I'm, <laughs> I'm all for it. In the meantime, we have coming up here at Community Center. Woo! It's the season. It's trash and fashion trash season. Trash and fashion. Yep. And we are into our 13th year as trash and fashion Sonoma, which evolved really from one runway show that took place in Andrews Hall and is now a big deal. It's an event season. So really we start next week with trash and fashion Barbies gallery and auction. And then we lead into the show and a trash bash. Wow. Yeah. I think I was part of it last year, but you know what? I didn't get to see the show. Yeah. Because for some reason, you guys needed somebody to be in the bar. So I'm like, oh, I jump in the bar and start getting everybody drunk there, you know? Yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. Serve a little bit. I'm like, pouring a good pour in there, you know? That's good. Get them up. It is yeah, a fundraiser, yeah, folks. Yeah. So <laughs> having a little loosener is great. And we'll get to the Trash and Fashion show. I'm always backstage as well. But what's been really fun is we start off the Trash and Fashion seasons, with, which is not 13 years. I would say it's actually got to double check on that. But maybe six or seven years going is a Trash and Fashion Barbie exhibit. And all of these Barbies have been either donated by the people that created them or from Recology, which is safe from the landfills. And then they go through a process of, we give them a Barbie spa day, which is kind of disgusting in itself, (laughs) but um, you know, it's all good. It's it's fantastic. And this is for kids that are three and four on up to designers that are of all ages. And we have them coming in the office starting last Friday. What what did you think about that, Gerardo? I liked it. I've seen so many. Um, (laughs) This one is like a Monopoly one looking. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Whoever made that was perfect. Oh yeah. Some themes kind of create themselves. Last year was very nature oriented. Lots of moss, lots of branches. And this year, besides some Christmas entries, which is interesting, people have really taken up some space. So they're kind of their own sculptures in a way. Now that you're talking about it, I'm going to give a shout out to Francisco from Hello Sonoma. Um, We're still waiting for your Barbie, sir. I know. Where's exactly. your Barbie? Yeah, Come on, bring exactly. it in. Well, I'll bug him. I already sent yeah. him a text. But let's get to it. We are here this morning on Monday morning interviewing, and I'm super excited about this. We have her on the phone. We are here with a New York style icon, Deborah Rappaport. She is an artist, creator, and innovator, a maker of sustainable hats and wearable accessories that can be seen on your kind of an Instagram sensation too, star of advanced style, film, and books. And one of the reasons we have her here, the reason we have her here is because Deborah was a judge when we did 2020. We took trash and fashion. Of course, we all know why it had to be canceled, right? But we took it online. We created like a love letter to Sonoma. And then we had judges that were from around the country. And Deborah was one of them. And my guess is... Deborah, I'm going to introduce you and then we'll go down that route. Well, hold on there. The only reason we're interviewing her also, let's not lie, for her followers. We need followers too, you know. (laughs) I know. Fantastic. We'll talk about subscribing, what that means at another time. Deborah, welcome. 
Thank you. So happy to be here. Can't wait to arrive in Sonoma in a few weeks. I know. That's the exciting part about it. Deborah, this is, I think, her third time as a judge. And the first two times were online. So we are over the moon. There's quite a few fans you have out here, Deborah, to have you here in Sonoma. I can't wait. (laughs) You're going to be a judge live in person at the Trash and Fashion Show on the 22nd, but also you're teaching an incredible class, which is coming up on the, I should know this date because it's two days before my birthday. (laughs) It's the 25th, I believe on Tuesday. Right. Right here at the Sonoma Community Center. Mm -hmm. It is Eco Cuff Bracelets on the 20th. Yeah, the 25th. You're so right. Sorry, I'm getting all my dates mixed up. And we'll launch into the details in a little bit. I'd like to go back and kind of talk about how you started in all this and how you become such this incredible, iconic person that's listening to their heart, a creative and an innovator. Were you born in New York? Yes, I'm a native New Yorker. And other than the 11 years that I lived in the Bay Area, Berkeley, I'm probably going to be staying here (laughs) at home. And what was it like, like growing up? Did you, were you born in the city? Do you have siblings? I was born in the city in part that's called the Lower East Side, which was a big Jewish immigrant neighborhood. And then we moved to Florida for six months in 49. And my mother said, I can't live here. I need the four seasons. <laughs> so my father came back and found another apartment, but up in a place called Riverdale, which uh-huh. is in the Bronx and uh, a lovely neighborhood. Yeah. And then in 1957, my father's business moved to New Jersey. So as a lot of people back then, we moved to the suburbs. And that was very startling and shocking. <laughs> but we managed. And... My sister, who's two and a half years older, was such good kids that the minute she turned 17, my parents got us a red convertible Fiat so we could get out of New Jersey and get to New York. Oh, my God. Wait, I'm jealous right now. That (laughs) must have been incredible. How old were you, two when they decided to make that really conservative and smart in life purchase? Yeah. (laughs) Well, my sister was 17, so she could drive in New Jersey, and I was like 15 or 14 and a half. So, and then the minute you turn 18, you could drive into New York. So we would drive to the bridge and then take a bus over. But it was our freedom. And my mother totally supported it. And anyway, so... We could, I, I we love could get that. out of there. <laughs> I yeah. love that, Deborah. Actually, I have a daughter who's 13 right now, and that's what she's huh? trying to uh-huh. talk me into. She's saving for a car huh? since she yep. can't get a horse. And she <laughs> decides, you know what would be great, Mom, if we get a convertible Jeep. I think oh. she had one experience oh, yeah. in the convertible and it found that freedom. It's funny how that makes yes, us feel. Totally. <laughs> but a horse isn't a bad idea. If I could have oh. gotten a horse and gone across the George Washington Bridge, that would have been sensational, don't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's never too late, right? <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Yeah, the horses are great. Love all that part of it. Yep. Deborah, so you're back in the city, you're doing your thing. I am familiar that you came out here, you were at Berkeley and Davis. Kind of tell us about your West Coast experiences and why you were here. What led you here too? Well, I finished undergraduate at Carnegie Mellon. We were the last graduating class of Carnegie Tech in 67. And I was doing textiles that were a little irregular, not necessarily rectangular. 
Yeah. And then I luckily got into UC Berkeley and studied with Ed Rossback, and he changed my life. For the first time in my life, education was not about intimidation. Everything you did in art school was looked upon. Oh, what do you think? You're an artist? On the floor, step on it, trick. Ed <laughs> Rossback would say, yes, and, and where are we going to go from here? And yes, not yes, but it's yes, and, and it was like, I could do no wrong. This is really what life is about. So at age 22, he transformed my, I can't even talk about it without getting for Clemp because it's so meaningful. <laughs> I love it. And then I finished graduate school. I started making things for the body then, and they were not rectangles. So Ed said to me, well, then you shouldn't be weaving on a loom. You should be doing non-loom textiles with knotting and crocheting. And so that's what I did. And I built all these things that I called fibrous raiments because they were in costumes, they were in apparel, and they were in clothing. They were forms for the body. And right after I graduated, he recommended that I teach at UC Davis. And that's what I did for eight years. And I was tenured and I loved it. And I loved my faculty. In fact, one of my best friends, Dolph Catelli from Sacramento, is coming down um, during the weekend of the show. But I couldn't deal with academia and the administrative stuff. So I retired at age 35 and I came back to New York. Not having a clue what I was going to do, except I was going to continue to make art and teach wherever I could get hired, you know, a Y or a local hangout or whatever. And that's what I did until 83 when I started a flower business. Wait, a flower business? That I did not know, Deborah. Actually, that's my background. (laughs) Really? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. We'll have to connect because that's what I did for many, many years. I mean, besides teaching here and before Sonoma Community Center. And when I worked in New York, too, that was my only daytime skill besides dancing. So I'll tell you stories about that. (laughs) All right. We got a lot of overlaps. I was a gardener. Did that count as a florist? (laughs) I had a partner who wanted to go in the flower business because She lived in New Jersey with a gorgeous garden and she was really like a horticulturist. Yeah. And also a weaver and a musician. So I said, okay, you'll teach me the horticultural. And we decided a flower business is just like weaving. It's linear, it's color, it's texture, it's placement. And then you just kind of make it up. And we were so outrageous that we were considered, I mean, we were older than most. I was in my 50s, she was in her 60s. And so every time they'd see us coming, they'd say, oh, here come the two old ladies. We got something unique for them waiting <laughs> in the refrigerator. Anyway, I so love it after 16 years and we loved it until we couldn't love it anymore. And we quit after 16 years. It was enough. That happens. It's hard work. Everybody it thinks really it's glamorous, is. but it's very hard work. It's not. You are up and setting up. I know. Thanks for reminding me and all the holidays yes. and really what it becomes. <laughs> yes. And I'll just sidetrack here because I'm feeling selfish flower talk right now. Also, it sounds like when you were doing flowers, was it like 80s, 90s? Early 80s. I think we started in 83 and we went up to 1999 or 2000. We finally closed. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine it was funny kind of how flowers worked at that time. It was very like paint by numbers and everything was like a house in the 80s. So anything outside Uh of that was you know, incredible, yeah. kind of considered Ikebana. And then it went to yeah. like a thousand roses, 
thanks to Martha Stewart. And now it's exciting to see really, it looks more like Dutch paintings these days. It comes back to more free flower flowing thing. But yeah, and Gerardo's over here saying, you did your time gardening, right? Yeah, I said I was a gardener. That makes me a florist too. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Actually, that's even harder work, man. Rain or (laughs) shine. Right. And you're not dealing with cut flowers. So you're really dealing with what's in the ground and what's happening. Yeah. With cut flowers, if it's dead, you pull it out, you throw it away, you poke another one in, whatever. But no, that's a lot harder. I know. I love it. And it's funny that you relate weaving to that too, because I've taken sewing like a million times and it turns out, you know what? I'm just not that great. It's straight lines. So weaving (laughs) is where it's at. Okay. Here we are. You're back. You're doing this. You've gone down the road. When did it like kick in for you? New York City seems like a gold mine for found items. I actually started when I was in graduate school and, and I would use berry baskets and build headpieces. And then I went to the TV station and I got videotape. Oh, and yeah. I the videotape. And everybody was trying to buy fine silk and hand spun. And I said, I'm not doing that. It's so beautiful (laughs) as it is. I don't want to take it out of the hank and turn it into a a fabric. So I wanted bolder and more sustainable. And in graduate school, I didn't have a ton of money, so I couldn't afford silk. So found materials were my passion. And they spoke to me. I would go to the Salvation Army when I taught at Davis. It was a fabulous one up in Sacramento. Oh, lucky. (laughs) And the volume of stuff you could find. I mean, I still have a roll of copper that I'm still carrying around from 1970. <laughs> and I and I use it, but it's more precious than gold to me. Oh, it is. That's amazing. You must have quite the apartment of found objects. I've seen little snippets and photos, but what a treasure trove. And then I'm sure it also becomes part of the hunt, you know, exploring yeah. and looking for things and what a treat. So you're doing this. Did that kind of start first as far as making like found objects and getting into like the eco bracelets and the hats and wearable art and just kind of wearing them yourselves? Yeah. And before the word sustainable was fashionable, you know, I was doing it since the mid sixties. Yeah. You know, and there's lots of trash in New York. And (laughs) when I was here in the late seventies, before I physically moved, I started finding found metal in the streets because the cars were falling apart. Now, It's difficult to find large pieces because the cars are mostly plastic or whatever. I agree. You you find a lot of washers and simple things. But I started making found objects, found metal jewelry again as one thing. And then people send me materials. You know, if they, (laughs) I have a friend in Chicago, an online friend, and she works in a handbag store and she sends me boxes of samples of pieces of leather. So I have to use it. So. You know, it's challenging. And most of the stuff I find in the street, this stuff talks to me and it's like a relationship. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it at first, but since it speaks to me, (laughs) we go home and we play and it becomes something. And that's the Deborah, take me home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like me when I was in shrooms. The potatoes were talking to me. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) Well, for... Gerardo's a big fisherman, so think of it as in fisherman terms. You guys are always on the hunt, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, I I like the word being a fisherman. That's great. You know, we're always fishing for something. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm going to borrow that, okay? (laughs) I'll give you credit. 
is so amazing. So, okay, I'm kind of fast forwarding here, but you're basically wearing what you're making. And of course, New York City being the best stage ever. I think I heard this. Were you on the street when you kind of ran into, is it Ari Seth Cohen, the author of Advanced uh-huh. Style? And is that where it kind of exploded for you? Tell me about that relationship with Ari and, and what took steps okay. next. Okay. Well, he happens to be in New York now for the uh, Easter parade. And I was with him yesterday Ooh. and we were reminiscing 2009 when we met. And he was working at the new museum in the bookstore. And I walked in on a rainy day, got rid of my raincoat and umbrella. And he comes up to me and he says, oh, I take photographs of women over 60. And I blurted out. And how do you know I'm over 60? (laughs) Anyway, he forgot his camera that day. So I handed him my card and I said, okay, come on over. I'll dress up. I'll undress and I'll make you a vegetarian lunch. Because he told me he was vegetarian and so am I. Yeah. And I I didn't hear from him. So five days later, I called him and he came over. We spent the day together and the rest is history. Wow. And that's how it started. And I was the first woman he reminded me yesterday he was photographing women on the street or who came into the museum, but he never followed up on any kind of relationship. So I was the first woman whose home he came to and had the full experience. Then he realized how much fun that was and how you can really get a true story when you hang out with someone for a while instead of a photograph. Yeah. And that's why I was so close too. Yeah. So he wrote books, but he also did a film. Am I right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Advanced style. And when did that come out? Like last year or a couple of years ago? Oh, or no, a while no, no. Ago? It, it came out 2014, I think. Ah. And then we went to Amsterdam and did a TED Talk in 2015. I think my dates are right. But the film is still out there. I don't know if it's on Netflix or, you know, one of those. Lawrence, I got a little note here on Amazon Prime. So folks. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> write that down. Make a note of it since, you know, when you listen to podcasts, you got to go down the rabbit hole. So Amazon Prime Advanced Style, we can see your style in person. That's one thing we can't capture over a podcast. And, right. oh. On Instagram, you can see it. Exactly. But the film still holds up. I looked at it recently and I couldn't believe how relevant and clear it still is. Excellent. And the person who filmed it, her name is Lina Pleoplite, and she ran into Ari one day and said, I'm a videographer and I'd love to work for you. And so they did a few videos together and then she upgraded her equipment. And before you knew it, she was filming and editing and she's still out there. She's amazing. Lina, L-I-N-A, Pleoplite. She's uh, from Lithuania. And when I met her, I adopted her too because my father was from Lithuania. Oh, really? So now I have a son, Ari, and I have a daughter, Lina. (laughs) (laughs) You're multi-family. Right. I love it. The family of style, advanced style. (laughs) Going into that, I know that's funny. I am curious because... I know that you are an Instagram sensation, probably OG, original gangster of Instagram. When did you start your account and when did you see it go insane? I think you have like 54,000 followers. Am I right? Yeah. Just in this Instagram world, I think it's interesting. Yeah. I think it was 2016 I started and Ari helped me and then Ari moved to LA. So another friend... Denton Taylor, who's a photographer, set me up and actually gave me my iPad. And so we we did photographs regularly. And then a couple other photographers stepped in, Susie Lang, who does Women 60 Plus, and some other photographers. 
So that's kind of how it happened. You know, if you have a really good photographer, it helps if you have good photographs. Oh, absolutely. Lighting and posing is everything and editing and doing enough shots that you've got things to choose from. The last thing you want is you've got a grin on your face or your eyes are closed (laughs) because the sun is lit. So it takes a professional photographer to be able to capture. It really does. And it makes people stop and check it out, especially there's so much out there. It's a saturated market. But do you continue to enjoy it? Because I know... I'm just personally speaking here of, and you started way before me for Instagram and Facebook. I do the trash and fashion Sonoma Instagram used to do the community center and we all kind of take different hands, but sometimes, you know, after a while I was like, Oh, it's such pressure. It's a job on top of another job. But how do you feel about that now? Like how it's grown? Well, since it's my own thing, I'm not forced into anything. And I used to post every day. Now I post every two or three days because who cares? I mean, who's looking? (laughs) I don't have a bucket list. Yes, I'm glad I'm out there. So I get invited to come to Sonoma and other things like that. But, you know, I have enough history behind me that people know who I am. So I'm not a 20-year-old trying to to make it in that (laughs) world. Thank God, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Me so too. when it's fun and if it's fun, then that's it. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it anymore. Exactly. Well, speaking of fun, when you were out here at Berkeley and in Davis and stuff, did you ever make it up to Sonoma, to the wine oh, country? God, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you're familiar. But it's been years, so I'm really looking forward to it because it's such a beautiful part of the world and you people are so gracious and friendly. So I know it's going to be a fabulous time to be together and hang out. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. You have a lot of people excited for your arrival. I'll give you the tour of the Sonoma Community Center. That's my specialty. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We actually did... It's our 70 years as a community center. So yeah. we did a wall upstairs of basically a lot of photos of things that happened in the past, as well as the community has brought in walls and, and all kinds of pictures. And if you are looking for delicious food, Gerardo is also our culinary expert Ah, over here, teaches the kids. He's an Ah. amazing ceviche maker and he's, Ah. he can tell you where to get the best tacos in town. Oh yeah. If you like tacos, yeah. Mexican food, I'm an expert, you know. (laughs) Oh, okay. We just came back from Mexico. We were there all of February and I, I lived on ceviche. I do eat fish now, but Anyway, it was fabulous. So I can't wait, okay? What part of Mexico? First, we, we met some friends in uh, Puerto Morales at the beach. And I'm not a beach person, but we had a good time. <laughs> and then we went to a town called Tepeslan with the uh, cliffs and the mountains are one hour out of Mexico City. Oh, nice. Because my partner, Stan, lived there in the 70s. Yeah, and nice. we've been back a few other times and he still has old friends there. And of course, in the time he lived there, there was no police. There was no telephone. Now they're about 125 boutique hotel. <laughs> like the rest of the world, everything yeah. is changing. And what can you do? They call it progress, but I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure what to call it. I kind of agree. But anyway, we had a fabulous time. Yeah, I used to live in uh, La Paz and you had to drive like an hour just to find a hotel. Now you see them everywhere now. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But that's the way of the world, right? Yep. I mean, we used to go to San Miguel and we have a lot of good friends, expats who live there. Even in the last eight years, it's changed enormously. But so be it. That's the way it is. Well, the funny thing is, is they build up and there is all these hotels and us being a big visitor 
nobody can find a place even when they decide to come, you know, everything's pretty packed, but, uh, but we're making room for you. Thank Janet Nussbaum, who is an incredible woman, such a story. I'm so glad that she talked to you in the coming. And I know originally Eric Jackson for a while here had led up trash and fashion and amazing. We love Eric. We miss Eric. But do you remember, did he reach out to you just randomly off of Instagram or how you guys came to having a conversation and becoming a part of trash and fashion Sonoma? I'm not sure if it was first Eric or first Janet who found me on Instagram and she was coming to New York. And so we met and hit it off. And then I think she put me in the loop with Eric. I think that's the way it happened, but I'm not absolutely sure. Yeah. But Eric was a treat. I mean, when I was (laughs) communicating with him, he was a real pleasure to work with. Oh, yeah. I remember sitting, we did an interview with you, a Zoom interview workshop. Right. And it was incredible. You have some great lines. And one of your lines, I'm just going to have one of your quotes right here is, with creativity, there are no rules. And with no rules, there is no fear. Right. That's my favorite. And that's the way I feel. Yeah. And I think Ed Rosbeck is responsible for that because who's going to tell me what's art and who's going to tell me what's right? It's coming from my soul and spirit. It's me. That's all. Yeah. You like it? Fine. You don't? Too bad. That's it. You know. I so love don't it. put it in a museum if you don't like it. I don't care. <laughs> well, to me, it seems like that is a lifestyle motto, too, that you really approach life with that beyond art, yes. which is all encompassing of who you are. Do you think that's right? Yeah. Yeah. A fearless quality. I have a friend who's older than I am, but uh, when she lost her husband about 15 years ago, she's a writer and she wrote a book, Moving to the Center of the Bed. And she's also a concert pianist and she lectures a lot about, you know, what happens after you lose the spouse after 50 years and your creativity. And people would raise their hands and say, but I can't paint the Mona Lisa. I'm not artistic. Right. And she would say, can you make a sandwich? If you can make a sandwich, that's a creative act because (laughs) you make choices. Black bread, white bread, yellow cheese, white cheese, mustard, mayo. It's a creative act. Cooking, gardening. Yeah. Did you say it was Ed who kind of leads you in that direction of looking at life through artist lens? And really, everyone is an artist. I think that's one of the joys of having trash and fashion Barbies because yes. it's so accessible to all ages and it makes you explore and just look at something. You're right. Like if you can make a sandwich, I'm, I'm going to use that on my daughter. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's creativity. And my partner, Stan, who you'll meet, who's Great. a songwriter and a oh, wordsmith wonderful. says, we're closest to the creator when we create, because that's when our soul and our spirit is open and being expressed. And that's what the creator did, created us in order to continue to create. So we don't even need to use the word artist anymore. It's just creation and the process of creating. That's all. Creator and makers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny. I think this creative process, so many processes, you know, like just just say the other night, I'm going to work on Barbies. It's the end of Friday, right? I've made this plan. We're having tacos. I have my friends over. We're ready to roll. Well, I can tell you that everything I decided to do, like gluing or everything that I was working on was not working not working. Right. It just, but that's okay. I had to look at it. It was like the part of the creative process where, all right, just step back. You're talking about this. You're looking at the materials 
it's that first step. And I know that you, and I actually thought about you. So you have what's called an ABC technique, assembling, building, and constructing. Can you elaborate a little bit where this uh, technique and idea came from? Well, it's really an approach because like in any creative process, you don't know where you're going. And since I don't literally paint or draw, Mm -hmm. I use materials and I assemble and I build and I construct. So it was easy to call it my ABCs. We all (laughs) learned the ABCs when we were in kindergarten or first grade. And so I continue to ABC and it's just the process. And what I work with is color, texture and layering. And whatever emerges, emerges. And my grandmother used to say, because my sister and I would go over and we'd pull out the old button drawer from the sewing machine and dump it on the floor. And grandpa (laughs) would say, Oi, oi, they're making a mess. <laughs> and grandma would say, be quiet. They're being creative. Yes. And that runs through every cell in my body. There's no such thing as making a mess. It, the creative process is you've got to pop scurry and, and mix things up before you can see where they're going. It's the process. You know, life is a process, period, the end. It's no doubt that you went into flowers because you know as a florist <laughs> that People walk in a shop or wherever the location is and you just have branches and everything surrounded on the ground, right? You don't clean till the end of the day. So people that come in and kind of put it over the garbage can, no, 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 mess it up. This is the time to get messy and creative. And Right. And you never know where that one piece of branch lying on the floor is just what you need and you pick it up and it works perfectly in finishing the statement that you want. Exactly. We always call that- You never know. the junk face, right? Or that would capture all the things that broke and stuff. And through the floral career, that is actually what interests me most now is like the forgotten branch or the space that didn't have the, you know, like, so that's interesting. Well, what everybody, which is fantastic. When you are out here, you are going to be teaching the eco cuffs bracelets workshop. And this is accessible to all. I think Maybe the ages, it's not for children, but for like late teens on up to adults of all ages. Would I be right to kind of assess that? Very low tech. Very low tech. And I actually did it with you before when we did it on Zoom. And it is just a fun exploratory way to make something really cool looking. Can you... Talk about the ABCs. So it will be on Tuesday evening. I just want to let everybody know it should be out in time, but all are welcome. We do have sliding scale at our community center, which gives different tiers. And I also have scholarships that are available to those that need it. Thankful to Creative Sonoma, which is part of a grant that we have here and are able to bring you out here. How would ABCs apply to the EcoCuff bracelets without giving away like, you know, everything? <laughs> Well, we're literally going to be assembling and building on the cardboard from toilet paper roll. And in a sense, it's almost like doing a collage, but we're doing it on a cylindrical shape piece of cardboard. And it's going to be layered first, like a postcard or an image to cover it, and then some detailed texture, and then covering it with some mesh to hold it together, and then maybe adding some other things on the top surface. So we're literally assembling, building, and constructing. And then it's going to be wearable. Everybody can wear it. I usually wear two at a time or sometimes four at a time. And it's so much fun. Yeah, I know. I'm hoping to make something. Well, it's going to be after the trash and show, but I cannot wait to add to the collection. <laughs> I love good, good, good. Yeah. 
So I think we're kind of launching it up here, but we're excited to have you out here in California back here and it's going to be a beautiful time of year. So lots of, is there something that's on your mind that like I got the bucket list of Sonoma that you just need to do besides attending the trash and fashion and being a little celebrity in our small town here? <laughs> well, now that Jamar said about the Mexican food, of course, I can't wait yeah. for that. Okay, perfect. I'm down. Okay. Gerardo, <laughs> and he makes the best ceviche. Oh my God. I just love that. And it looks like there's some good ice cream places and maybe one winery would be fun. And I've got two friends coming down from Sacramento, Sacramento and one friend coming from Walnut Creek. So I think it's going to be, to me, it's all about people. I say, everybody says, do you have a bucket list? And I said, no, it's just friends and food. And it's, then combining yeah. and sharing friends and food together. That's what matters at this age. That's truly, I that, I enjoy that too. The small moments yep. of just coming together. Well, there's definitely great places to eat here besides, <laughs> are we going to give it a shout out to the best taco place? Well, the best taco here is uh, Tacos La Costa, but okay. also El Molino. That's pretty good. Oh, you'll like El Molino. Mm -hmm. I like El Molino. Very okay. good. They're One of my favorite Handmade tortillas. Too. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And yeah, the heart. Okay, and mole. It. Oh, the mole is oh, delicious. Enchiladas okay, mole. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> El Molino. Won't disappoint. Right in the okay. heart of Boy's Hot Springs, which is fantastic. Many markets. I think you'll enjoy too. There's a great Lebanese place called Spread <gasps> Catering. Oh, and God. it is, I know that fresh food is dear to your heart because I remember on the last meeting, you really talked a lot about food and its originality and where it's coming from. And just that kind of like not eating processed foods. Is that kind of the secret to health and longevity? Yeah. Well, one of my, whatever you want to call it is, I believe in color. Color is vibration. And all we are as a human being is a vibration and a frequency. So we have to wear color and we have to eat color because we have to keep vibrating. And we have to Love stay it. alive as a spark of energy. And then we go back to being a spark of energy once we get rid of the bones and the flesh and the blood. So color is my motto. So Deborah, what's your favorite food? Well, I do love Mexican food. I do Ooh. love ceviche. <laughs> I do love Lebanese food. I love uh, anything Middle Eastern. Yeah. Baba ganoush. I make baba ganoush almost every other day. I eat hummus regularly. I had tahini and oatmeal for mm. breakfast this morning. Oh. So those are a few of my faves. Of course, pizza is always good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we won't tell you pizza over here. I mean, you're... you're I know. You're, you're just you're not going to find that. Come Don't know? come for the pizza. Come Although, on. there's a good pizza place, you know? but... But, you know, if you if you really like Middle Eastern food, there's yeah. another place in Napa, actually, called the Small World. Okay. That's super this is good. delicious. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to write that one down too Small and look world. it up when we get to Small yeah. World. Okay. I'm going to go back to Spread Catering because they have a delicious, one of a kind. She has actually taught many classes here and now she has a brick and mortar, but she does a green tahini that is <gasps> out of this world that she will not share the recipe on. I, I put it in <laughs> salads. I pour it over everything. It's so delicious. So she puts it on her dessert too. I've seen her. No, yeah. So you can buy it. Yep. We will be importing it to you. I'm sure after you try it, <laughs> it's wonderful. Are you going to be doing any cooking classes while I'm there? Or are you going to be too busy with all of this? Cause I'd love to participate if I can. Gerardo, do we have anything coming up? I think you're not, but I don't not know. Maybe me. we can strong arm him. He makes a couple of ceviches that are so good, but there's one in particular that 
I'm shocked because oh, I yeah, don't really the, do spicy the, food, but this is good. Yeah, we make one that is called the uh, aguachile, and it's out of Mexican scallops, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's oh, a different scallop be... from like the ones we have here. They're more really? soft, and, and they melt yeah. in your mouth. And you put it like in a chili we, water, so right? We, I make a chili water, so it's pretty much serrano and limes. Oh, and it's cilantro. so good. And You're then making you just my mouth sit there and cook. <laughs> oh, it's delicious. Wait, it's lunchtime for you, and it's breakfast. Add some slash cucumbers, <laughs> some onions, and then some oh. avocado. Mm-hmm. And there oh you go. Oh, my God. It's delicious. Oh, my God. I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven <laughs> just hearing about it. Okay, we're going to have a good time. We're going <laughs> to eat our way through Sonoma. We're going to be with friends. We're going to share food. We're going to drink and be happy. You know, Deborah, I actually have uh, four kilos of uh, Mexican scallops in my freezer. So See, that's, oh that's why I brought it up. Yo, 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 I'll make some for you when you come down. Oh, my God, you're too sweet. What can I bring you from New York? Bagels, bialis? Uh, bagels will be what? nice. Yeah, bagels. New <laughs> okay. York bagels, yeah, for sure. Okay. I like bagels. I'll bring, ba- I'll, bring, I, I, I'll bring some bialis, too, because bialis are even more unusual. Uh, yeah. Sounds both. good. Gerardo okay. is our, he's our local fruit fly too. The guy, <laughs> he actually turns down a bunch of Girl Scout cookies to the season. They hit you up all the time. Yeah. And he's yeah. in there just eating every single fruit under the sun every day. So I love fruit. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Healthy. <laughs> colorful. Yes. Okay. I'm only traveling with carry on, but I'll carry those bagels <laughs> in my backpack on my back. We're going to do it upright. All right. We are going to do it upright. Time. Okay, I can't wait. It's just less than three weeks away. Oh, Today's already the third. I just heard a... Days. Don't remind I, Molly. <laughs> I just I, I was coming to work this morning and uh, I hear this radio announcement, 19 days till Earth Day, which is actually the Trash and Fashion Show this year. Yeah, 22nd. Yeah. I started to freak out inside a little bit, but... We're ready. You know, we're as ready as we'll ever be. The outfits are coming in and it's amazing to kind of see people's process and hear their stories, really, because sometimes you look at something and you're like, wait, what? What is going on here? And then we met with a bunch of kids over the weekend in the design class. So that was really fun. Well, we'll continue on. We'll get the show ready to go. And we say welcome back. Being a judge in Sonoma. Happy to have you here. Can't wait. I'm, I'm getting more and more excited as the days Good. go by. It's okay? beautiful too. I'm beginning to p- try to pull my wardrobe together, even though I don't know what the weather is, but I'll have a, a sense of it. I'm so. not going to lie. It's intimidating that you're coming. I'm like, what am I going to oh, wear? God, yes. It's oh. not a, what am I going to wear? Cause I got to make an announcement for trash and fashion on stage. It's what would Deborah think about what I'm wearing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Okay, just remember color, texture, and layering. Just, just enjoy it. On top if it of feels my black, good, it is good. On top okay. of my black, I'm gonna let the stars shine walking down the runway. So, <laughs> okay. yay! This is wonderful. Thank you for taking time out of your day, oh, and we will see you soon. Yes, and you're so welcome. And thank you for everything. I can't wait. See you guys soon. Okay. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you. Great. And get those uh, four kilos of sick allops out of the They'll be waiting for you. They'll be waiting for you. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Thank thank you. you. Can't wait. Bye, Deborah. Bye now.